and get started. I know some people are still grabbing food. If you're not grabbing food, if you can come up and grab a seat. Um, if we could not have to sit as far away as possible and actually act like a family, and by family I don't mean my family, um, come and sit close. Come on. Somebody actually obey that for once. I've been saying that for like 10 years and nobody's ever listened. Dr. Joe did. Thank you, Dr. Joe. That's true. Thank you. You guys are obedient. <laughs> All right. Well, I know that there's a lot of activity still going on in the building. Um, I won't have ADD about that if you won't, uh, but we need to go ahead and get started. I'm going to ask if Pastor Tim would open up our meeting with a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we are excited and grateful and humbled at what you've already done this morning. I know that many people prayed that you would make your presence known here today, and you've done so, and we believe you will continue to do so. So thank you for that. And would you bless the time that we have and enable us to uh, communicate effectively and quickly and enable everybody here to, to hear and to process and to get excited about what you are doing. Not what we're doing, but what you're doing uh, in this place and from this place to a lot of different places in this county and the world. So thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to take a couple of minutes to celebrate our history together. We're going to look at God's work amongst us over the last nine months share about some pieces that we've been hard at work at to put in place and cast some vision for the new year. I'm going to be your tour guide, but these guys uh, have an equal say in everything. They are part of our plurality. I want to share a scripture with you to get started, not to preach a second sermon because uh, I'm exhausted after preaching the first one. Um, sorry, I was a little animated this morning. I was feeling froggy but this won't be as froggy of a time. So I want to share with you Isaiah 66, 1 and 2, and then read to you a prayer that I wrote in my Bible on the day that I received this Bible from that text, and it still stands true today. It says in Isaiah 66, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? All of these things my hand is made, and so all of these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. The reason I wanted to read that is because I, I just came back from a church planting conference. We just restarted this church. We are a nine-month-old church. Any language that says otherwise is false. I know that a lot of us come in with prior relationships. But we are a nine-month-old church, ten-months-old church. Um, that's, I said anything other was false, so you are a false teacher. Um, and it can become really easy when you're this far along in the game to think that we're called to build something for Jesus. And that's why I wanted to read Isaiah 66, 1 and 2, which says the exact opposite. What are you going to build for me? What can you make that I haven't made for you? What can you possibly build unless I build it for you? I'm not looking to the one who's clever. I'm not looking to the church planting guru. This is the one whom I shall look, says the Lord. He who is humble, contrite, and most importantly, 
he who trembles at my word. And I wrote this when I first received this Bible. Oh God, let me be a man who walks in a gospel-saturated humility and trembles at your word all the days of my life. Forgive me for trying to build a house for your namesake through my efforts so often. Help me to be a man who takes this Bible and trembles at your word before I would ever endeavor to open my mouth and teach from it. And then I wrote this question to hold myself accountable every time I go to this Bible and teach from a text. Am I more passionate about building a house for God or the God who fills the house? Let the testimony today be about the God who fills the house and not building a house for God. Amen? Pastor Tim's going to share with you guys a little guidelines, and we're going to just try to plow through in an hour here, which is why we're structuring the meeting that we, the way we are. Um, so go ahead, Pastor Tim. So you probably will come away from this meeting with questions, hopefully not more than you have right now. But since this is a church less than a year old, but since it does represent two churches that existed prior to that, you probably, I hope you are anyway, interested in a little bit more of the history than we're going to be able to talk about today. I've had conversations with a number of you. I would love to have more of those conversations, but this is kind of like what happens when two people get married. Their experience of the wedding is different depending on whether they're the bride or the groom. Bride's family, groom's family, right? You bring certain awarenesses, certain expectations, but you're not in that other person's shoes. So some of you were part of something called Trinity Fellowship Church. Some of you were part of something called Remedy Church. And some of you weren't part of either one. But the, the interesting conversations I've had with people, and I just had one with, with uh, someone a couple weeks ago, what, did, what was it like for you guys? You were part of that other, tell me what it was like. And then he said, tell me what it was like for you guys. So there's, there's a shared history that isn't necessarily known by everyone. And if you want to know more about that, talk to one of us. I'm always available to go out for lunch. Especially if I, you're buying. And when I go out for lunch, I eat. I don't do what I'm doing now, which is not eat. So, I don't know if there's going to be anything left by the end of the meeting, nope. but um, never, ever be hesitant to come to one of us and say, I got a question that I've had for the last year. Can you tell me, and you feel, fill in the blank from there. We're available. These two guys are here all the time. Us two guys are here less of the time, but we can be here whenever, we, whenever you'd like. So, t use us. And uh, that, would be, it, that would be tremendously encouraging uh, to be part of a process like that. Um, this has nothing to do with what Pastor Tim just shared, but all of that food was donated by Bubba Coos Burritos. If you guys know Bill and Kristen, they come here sometimes. So please be sure to thank them if you see them. That was very, very kind of them to donate the food. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, so I just want to share with you a little bit about our history. Kind of the setup of this meeting is going to be what God has been doing, what God is doing, and what we're praying to see God be doing in the future. Pretty simple, right? So a little bit about our history for anybody that doesn't know our story um, or 
you know, if you've been coming here for a little bit and, and you realize that it's just good once we've taken a little bit of distance from God bringing us together to actually look back. And sometimes things become clearer when you look back at them in the rear view a little bit rather than being in the perspective of being mired in the transitions. So um, we've got some pictures. They're just going to be scrolling behind us. That'll give a little bit of a backstory about the young life that we have here at the church. I don't know about you, but I get really excited about seeing young life in a church. One of the things um, in, in the trip that I just took to Colorado, um, by the way, it's just so good to be back, man. I, I was just jumping out of my skin ready to preach to you guys today. I'm so excited. I, I hate preaching to any other church other than you guys. I'm sorry if that church is listening to this audio. Um, I had fun during the moment, but then I was just like, my church is so much better than this. So I'm so much glad, I'm so glad to be back at a better church. Um, sorry, Jeremy, if you listen again. Um, but it's great to be here, and I want to just take a moment to celebrate what God's doing. You guys can look at a, a visual representation of it. But one of the things that makes a church healthy is just young life being just throughout the body. Otherwise, if, if it's just... Not that old people aren't important, um, I'm becoming one. I just had another birthday that passed, and uh, you know, I'd like to believe that, uh, no, I'm still young? Yeah, you know. Nice. Well, it depends. If I look on this end of the spectrum, um, it's kind of Roy G. Biven over here, and I'm like right in the middle, so. Um. <laughs> you guys are the indigo end of the spectrum. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rein it in and not let my personality out for the rest of this meeting, and that, that benefits everybody here. Um, God brought us together 10 months ago, but I just wanted to point out that this did not begin 10 months ago, and I think that that helps clarify the story for some people, because I know some of the questions people had were, how did you just hit the ground running the way that you did in a work that just began 10 months ago? Well, the reason, and we probably should have done a better job sharing this, is it, be, it didn't hit start the ground, uh, on the ground 10 months ago. Um, I've been meeting with Pastor Tim for going on three years now. Is that about accurate? Two and a half? Two and a half, Two and a half years, and been meeting with Tim and Pat. So this has been birthed in prayer for years, and that's why this has been... And I think it's more important, because I'm a blabbermouth, and I get to share with you guys all the time. I'd rather you hear from Tim's perspective. Uh, you know, would you mind sharing for a minute on how this, the genesis of this came to be? I'll try to be brief. Two and a half years ago, um, we got together for coffee. Myself, another guy, Eric. And out of that very informal time, which I went to with zero expectations. Um, this guy said, far be it from me to propose on the first date, but. <laughs> that's one of those conjunctions that's important, but. I, I did the same thing with Marcy for what it's worth. <laughs> so you have a history. That got a process started that none of us had any idea where it was gonna wind up, and I can tell you I can give you the details if you want to have lunch with me sometime, a long lunch. But um, there were a lot of ups and downs along the way. There were uh, times not that long ago when we would have said, it's not happening. A year ago today, if you had come to me and said, 
what's going on? Are you guys merging or are you not? I would have said there's probably a better chance that we're putting this building up for sale than that we're merging with these guys. Wow. Dead serious. In the space of a couple of weeks, God moved mountains, literally moved mountains, took care of a lot of obstacles, a lot of roadblock, roadblocks, and opened the way like through the Red Sea for us to become one church. A year ago, we had a very, very small handful of kids. Anna's boys, two or three others. And this was a heaviness on my heart and Pat's heart because the one thing that we've always said we wanted to do in church is have a next generation to build into and we didn't have one. As we looked around, everybody was our generation. And if, you're, if you were part of that and you don't consider yourselves part of my generation, I apologize. But we were, we were a dying church. Praise God for people, some of you sitting here now, who didn't bail when it would have been easier, when I would have probably suggested that you bail. Yeah, you. And you stayed around to see the sea parted and to see people walk through on dry ground. And I don't know who was following behind they got drowned. And it's not that there haven't been any casualties along the way, but they've been minimal, minimal. So it's hard for me to talk about this without getting emotional, but God has done exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. It's not us. It's not about us. It's about God planting a vision, which we're hearing more about today and for the last couple of weeks, but watering the seed, tilling the soil, fertilizing, and, and God is bringing forth something really special. I really believe that. And I think the evidence is, is abundant. So, Thank you for hanging in with us. If that was your story, thank you for coming in with us and assimilating to this crazy bunch of whatever we are and purposing to put differences aside and build one church. That's just one tiny little expression of the body of Christ universal. Thank you. And to share the other end of that story, um, this marriage looked a whole lot like my marriage. I, I came in the, the messier one by far. Um, I wear my messiness on my sleeve, folks. If you don't know that about me, you're, you're going to realize that. And I'm also not ashamed of my messiness either. Um, but I'm so grateful for more mature believers in Jesus so that we can sanctify that messiness, right? We shouldn't be ashamed about our messiness, but we also don't want to be braggadocious about that which is sin. And uh, we walked that tight line as Remedy that started six years ago. We, we had just a ragtag bunch of weirdos that came together, and um, that's my conviction of what a church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a ragtag bunch of weirdos. I don't care how you dress. And you, like Dr. Joe, that, he, that guy looks sharp as all get out, but that dude's weird, man. Uh, can, we, <laughs> can we just be real about that? Um, and, then, and then you got, you know, 
Uncle Russ over there, who's always jeans and a t-shirt. And that dude's equally weird. So uh, it's not about outward appearance. It's about just keeping it real and remembering where we came from and remembering where Jesus is bringing us. So um, I'm just so glad to be doing life with people that see Jesus in ways that I haven't and people that teach us to see Jesus in ways that we haven't. And it's been a really powerful blend so far. Um, We're going to share a couple of numbers with you guys, not because we want to boast in numbers for numbers' sake, but because we want to give you guys just a little bit of a picture of the canvas that God is painting here. And, and as we do, um, man, this is, just, this is God's story. So I really labored over sharing these numbers because um, something, I don't know why God made me this way, but I overthink everything, and I'm just always very wary of my motives. So when it comes to like sharing things like nickels, noses, and baptisms, um, you just want to make sure, am I doing this for my glory or for God's? So any numbers we had, we just cut a bunch of things off of it so that we weren't, um, if you've ever been around church planters, you ask them how big their church is, and they're always going to tell you it's 800, even if it's seven people meeting in their living room. So uh, I don't want to have that reputation. I want to be honest about who we are and what God is doing here. So we're going to underestimate all of the things that we share with you, but I think that that's a way of keeping us honest to the glory of God. So, um, yeah, just starting out with a hearty thank you about what a blessing it's been to bring these two churches together. Ten months in, I just want you to know before we share these numbers, what God is doing here is a statistical anomaly. Um, That was reinforced by the time that I was just in Colorado speaking to church plants literally all over the world. Um, I mean that literally, not figuratively. Church plants were there from all over the world. The ones that have merged typically take anywhere upwards of two to five years where they have a slow bleed of attrition before there's any growth. So when we share that as the baseline, I asked that question knowing that I was having this meeting as soon as I got back. I said, is that accurate? That was affirmed by people that write the books on these things, that yes, that is in fact true, very true. And I want to bring that up because it only gives more room and latitude to give God glory, doesn't it? When we say that that's not been our case. So the numbers that we started out seeing, um, we, were, we were readily, right out of the shoot, we were seeing about 150, 160 people on Sunday mornings. Um, and that's nothing to sneeze at. That, that is awesome. In a day and age where the average church in America is 84 people, according to the latest Barna Statistic Group number, to be at 150 people, that, that gives you the opportunity to do things that is harder to do with 80 people, like have more of a robust staff, be able to have uh, children's ministries and youth ministries and things of the sort. But the story doesn't end there. Um, We have been regularly seeing over the last couple months over 200 people in attendance on Sunday mornings. Is that awesome or what? I mean, the fact that we started out with about 150, 160 of us, statistically you're supposed to go backwards before you go forward, but not only have we not gone backwards, but there's been exponential growth, especially over the last three months, all glory to God. And over the last two months, we have had three services where we've far overshot that. And I, that, I had that written down before this morning. I would say this morning probably fits into that as well. I, I'm not somebody that counts because I get goofy with that stuff and then I get arrogant and then you have to call me on my sin. But I just look around at people and chairs and I recognize most of them were full today. So that's a good thing. The amount of people that call Redeemer their home, just so you have an idea of who your church is, there are over 330 people 
um, as we go through planning center. And, and we don't like to have planning center be something where we just say like, hey, everybody that's ever driven by our church and looked at it, we consider um, part of our church body. We actually take people out if we haven't seen them in a while. Um, you know, or if somebody moves along or something like that. We, we try to keep that pretty fresh so we have an accurate picture of who our church is. And 330 is actually being pretty, S, uh, pretty, pretty um, shy. Uh, there's, yeah, conservative, thank you. There, there's, since I'm not very conservative, that word doesn't readily flow from me. Um, we have about 400 people when we look through it this weekend that um, call Redeemer their home. Um, and I want to bring that up for a couple of reasons. First of all, you can't really look at, especially early stages, Sunday morning as a full expression of who our church is. Because if you've ever noticed, maybe it's e- easier to see it from up front, but each Sunday, it almost looks like there's a whole different body out there. It's, it's pretty wild. It's fun. It really is. But it would be more fun if we actually saw like all 400 of you here at once. But usually when pastors say that, they end up yelling at the people that are there, which is pretty counterintuitive because you want the message to go to the people that aren't. Um, so one of the ways that you could really help us out is get your information on the planning center. Sign up for the newsletter if you're not here. Um, we use that to pray for you. So just a very, pre- do you like being prayed for? So get that information on there so we know who our people are. We can communicate with you more readily. And then we don't have to make 2,000 announcements every Sunday because we can get the information out to you. And we also know who our roles are. Another metric we use to chart who we are is community groups and the amount of people in community groups. And we really want to encourage anybody here that's not in a community group, um, we're going to start pushing a lot of our mission and vision through community groups. So we're not going to, Sunday morning is supposed to be like Thanksgiving dinner. Community groups is your life throughout the week. If you're not doing life with us throughout the week, you're going to be missing out because we're going to try to become less less Sunday-centric in 2017. So a little bit of facts about us. We have five groups. So Daniel's going to be sending around a, uh, a binder. If you've never signed up and given your information, Lee, you're zoning out with the mic over there, homie. Thank you. Um, there's a, um, <clears throat> a bunch of just spaces, and we're trying to get a directory available online, but I don't want to assume that all of you want your phone number and stuff like that available, so there's a little list. Are you okay with having your phone number email available via password-protected page on our website for the purposes of serving as a church directory? And so just circle yes or no, and I'm passing this out now. And uh, if you're not in there, that's great. And this will also refresh our information to make sure what we have of you is accurate. So that will be going around throughout this meeting. Thank you. Um, So community groups, a little bit of an update on that. We have five groups. Um, We've got Tuesday Tom's River group. Um, That is by far the best group. Um, We have Wednesday. Wrong. (laughs) Wednesday Jackson. Wednesday Brick, which is by far the worst group. Um, <laughs> You're a nasty man. <laughs> Tom's River, Wednesday night that meets here, which is by far the most mediocre group. Uh, <laughs> Sunday. We're trying to keep it a secret. We don't want everybody coming to be part of our group. Sunday Tom's River. And between those five groups, um, <laughs> we have 122 adults. 30 children comprising five community groups, so about 47% of the people that call Redeemer their home are involved in a community group. That is not a number that we want to be shooting for, guys. We we want that to be coming in a lot closer to 100%. 
another couple of numbers we want to share with you are children in the children's ministry. And Lee has a little bit to share about that. Do you want to just share about who's in there and then share about the service opportunities a little bit later? Uh, I've got slides uh, okay. later to go through it all, but uh, we on? You know okay. Um, yeah, uh, the, the numbers that, um, that Eric mentioned, um, I'm going to show some slides that will give you a, a picture of the, uh, who's there. I, I did also look at Planning Center and uh, of a population that I, we list as, as active and part of, you know, involved in, in uh, Redeemer, about 176 adults and we'll see like there are uh, 61 children among that. That's 25% of us are in, in, in that category of, of children, which is pretty significant. I'll talk about what the growth we've seen in that ministry, but uh, we, are, we are growing. We are experiencing a, um, just a, a huge opportunity for ministry there, and I'll talk more about that. I, I don't know how far deep into that I'll go. I don't want to repeat what I'm going to say in the slides later. You know what? But just roll with it, homie. As far as you want to go now, go with it. Well, I'd have to pop the slide. Okay. You got slides up. <laughs> okay, well, I, I was going to step into this with a, uh, a comment on uh, an incredible opportunity for a uh, ministry to a, a, a people group that is, uh, um, and just track with me and be patient with me here, that is relatively unchurched, certainly needs to be evangelized. They live right in our neighborhood, so we don't have to travel far to get to them. They... Um, speak a common language, most of them anyway, we don't have to learn a second language to, uh, to do missionary work to them. They'll even come to church when we, when, with us when we come together as church. You follow me on this? Who is that people group? They are our children. <laughs> and uh, they are a ministry that we want to uh, uh, spend time on and uh, a very important ministry. So here's the numbers up here. These are uh, the... Uh, the roster here with the infant through sixth grade. I'm going to stand up so I can see this. And um, they, they represent 25% um, of us. Now, a breakdown of how they go together in classes here, and I want to give a shout-out to those who are involved in this ministry. Uh, we have just absolute... Uh, Thanks for those who have been in the, the trenches and doing this for the, uh, the time that we've spent. And um, uh, I'm just grateful for what they've been able to do. And I'm going to speak a little bit more about that. But thank you. Um, we have, if you see the breakdown, nursery. We have uh, about 11% of our kids are in nursery. Uh, seven to the count that I have. And then the rest of them, between pre-K and K, the grades one through three and grades four through six are pretty much equal size groups. But look at the numbers. These are, if you're teaching, <coughs> you're teaching a class of 19, that's a, that's a pretty good size class, anybody who's ever taught. We don't, we don't see 19 in a class every Sunday. We see more like um, 13, 14, 15, but uh, that's the numbers. <coughs> Let me grab a drink. So I want to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, next slide, is what God has been doing, the things that we've seen uh, that are encouraging and exciting in this ministry, and so ways we've seen God working. First, and this is a metric we consider quite important and when we do ministry. It's one of the things that define a church is our ordinances. We have seen, and I counted not five, but six kids. Hold it closer. 
There we go. Six uh, young uh, kids, young adults, who have followed, followed the Lord in baptism. Uh, you can think back over these last 10 months, and you can remember the names, and some of them will, are still being trained for a baptism to be. But that is, that's exciting, that to see them following the Lord with their heart and with their feet in, in baptism. Number two. Uh, we've seen a 36% growth in the, uh, the the Redeemer Kids ministry. When we first came together, we were uh, combined about 45 kids, and uh, we had uh, we had our hands full. We were literally making a lot up as we went. We we uh, moved into classrooms and we set up to minister to this population. We've seen that grow to 61 kids, 36%. And if you do the math. Next year, when we're standing on this platform, what does it look like? If the Lord continues to work the way he has, we will have 85 kids. 85. That's the size of most small churches. So this is, a, this is a, uh, a, an amazing statistic. But uh, number three, <clears throat> uh, teachers, you'll relate to this. The, the excitement that we see just in the kids wanting to be together uh, I think Eric, when he taught the fours and fourth, five, and six, said, "Do you guys like being in this class?" And and it was a hundred percent that they wanted to be there. Losing my voice. Number the next one. <coughs> the joy that we have seeing our older children—they don't meet every week. They meet on the first and third. The older children, if they're not in here, they're serving us as part of uh, helpers in the other classes. That has been a joy. <coughs> and lastly. <clears throat> the personal rewards that teachers have expressed about teaching Redeemer kids, uh, they really have pleasure and derive a lot of joy and satisfaction out of uh, partnering with you and in, in teaching uh, about Jesus to your children and the response and satisfaction they get back. Okay, <clears throat> I want to talk about, um, talk about what we've done in the past. That's pretty exciting. What are we going to be looking at as a vision for the future? And one of the things I'd like to do with the children's wing is uh, get it set up in a way that we'd be able to more effectively <coughs> meet and uh, serve the needs of the kids. And what we want to do is we want to arrange the kids wing into, uh, I'm going to say, a village of kids <coughs> where we go with on the uh, the small children's side, we want to build it into a concept, thank you, <coughs> where we would have a, uh, an area that uh, I'll say would be best be participate. you'd best appreciate it by walking it on your hands and knees like a children, like the children height and seeing it from their perspective. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to think about it in that way. <coughs> and the other end where we have the older kids uh, have a neighborhood that as you go through that area, try to imagine it with the same kind of energy that comes with youth. So we're going to do some things that will uh, put us in the capability of doing that. So next slide. For the entrance, we want this to be, uh, want to put our best foot forward right at the entrance. So the, the slide. Um, here we have a welcoming with a partnering with our parents to make disciples using the theme of uh, disciples making disciples and the uh, fact that this is a partnership with you the parents and, and we the teachers as well. But some exciting graphics, signposts, uh, throw some uh, 
things that support what we're doing in there to make it uh, child-friendly and exciting. So what we want to do, uh, Main Street uh, kind of thing would be the boulevard where, uh, where the Anderson Room and everything, that would remain what it is today. But the two wings we would, we would try to build into a kid-friendly environment. Next slide. <coughs> Kids Lane. We haven't settled on a name, but just follow me in your imagination. In the Kids Lane, uh, this is what I'm talking about. It wants to have the look and feel, feel of an infant who is walking into a wonderland, and that's what we're trying to create there. So uh, for the older, as we go down to the other end of the building, we go to, uh, it's got a little bit more energy. We want to reflect uh, some of the concept of reaching the shore. You know, this is our, our philosophy is being able to reach the entire so shore. So use that philosophy. Next slide. I call it High Street, lack of a better name. This is the older, the high school grades, the, you know, the junior highs and so on, uh, on High Street. This would want to reflect, you know, some of the themes of the shore, the energy that goes along with it. And lastly, I'll, I'll show the last slide here, sort of a, a palette that uh, uh, brings, basically when the kids walk in, they say, this is my home, this is where, this is where we meet. And uh, so I hope you get a feel for what we're trying to do. I want to say that we, to do this, the staff that we have together right now is not capable of handling that 45 to 61 growth. Not going to be able to handle that growth to 85 should the Lord do that. Next slide. So we need teachers and helpers. And I'll say that in a general way. We need um, not only, uh, we're using a great program called Gospel Project, and if the older kids were doing a, a catechism, but we need people for check-in. We do a security check-in thing, and through that check-in desk, we have seen 100 children, whether it be VBS, friends, family, a hundred young people we've been able to touch their lives through, through these doors. So, you know, I'm not exaggerating with numbers. That's just what it is. We don't see that every week. We see the, uh, the numbers that I showed you before, about uh, 18 per class. Uh, we need your creativity, your skills in art, and, and putting together our, our uh, concept for the high street and the kids lane and we need helpers in the nursery, we need helpers in each of the classrooms, we need teachers, and we can train you. And we can also, you can teach as frequently or as, as infrequently as you like. Uh, doesn't, you don't have to make a, a full commitment to being able to teach. Uh, we like once a month, if you can do it, but uh, we have, uh, where's my, do we have staff and identify you? Lisa and Marshall? We have Marshall. Okay, uh, see one of us, and uh, or just one, any of the elders, and say, I, "I need to help you with this mission because we we need you to keep this moving in a direction that God is moving." Uh, someone I know very close to me once said, "For sure, I want to be working where I see God's hand already working, working right here." Anyone else notice how Pastor Lee rocks the mic like a 90s hip-hop MC? He's like, especially when you pass it off to Eric B., it's like Eric B. and Rakim right there. If you understand that analogy, kudos, I love you. 
Um, we're not hitting on all the individual ministries here this morning. We're really just taking macro categories, hitting on the children. Um, Sunday morning, community groups, children, and youth are really all we're hitting on. There's many, many more things going on, but our thought was this meeting's already going to be running long, just kind of sharing our history. And if we get into each thing, first of all, the meeting will be going too long, and secondly, we would be bound to forget something, and we're not trying to raise an offense here. Um, The next thing we want to share about is the youth, Um, and this time we're just kind of sharing some metrics and some growth. One of the ways that God is growing us is growing our staff, Um, and this has been the case for a month now, but I wanted to wait until this meeting to introduce um, we just formally brought Eric Bergstrom on staff. So um, welcome to your new staff member. Um, such a proud moment for me. When, as Lee gives you guys the plea for children's ministry, understand this boy, man, he, he was a boy in my class when he was a seven-year-old coming to me and Marcy teaching him Sunday school. And wrap your mind around that as we think about making disciples who will make disciples for the next generation. We got to disciple him when he was a seven-year-old boy, and here he is now discipling my children as their youth leader. Is that so cool or what? I mean, God just does amazing, amazing things, and I have seen this man grow into an awesome man of God. Um, just so you guys know how to n- navigate and work with Eric here on the staff, he's not an elder, he's not a pastor. He's one of our pastors in training. We do see a calling on his life. Um, But we want to take very seriously the words in 1 Timothy to not lay hands on somebody too quickly. Um, So we're just giving him an environment to grow and learn. Um, One of the really neat things about having him here is he is almost full-time on staff, and you guys don't pay him a penny. Um, That's a pretty good deal, right? And I I would say the economics on that is a good return for your dollar. Um, We have raised money outside of the church. We have a very generous benefactor who loves what God is doing here wants to support our staffing and the planting of more churches up and down the shore, and has said that he's going to invest in that for as long as we keep doing what we're doing. So praise God for that. I mean, yes. Um, Man, he asked the question, sorry, you're just hearing this now. Um, He said, how much does he need to make, and what do I need to write? That was his, that's what he asked before writing a check. So sorry I didn't ask for more. Um, I didn't know he was going to say yes, <laughs> so in my defense, I was shocked when he just pulled out the blank checkbook, so um, yeah, you're getting paid pretty scantily because of me, um, and, uh, but you're getting paid because of somebody else, so I uh, just want Eric to share for a minute um, about uh, just his calling to work with the youth here. Uh, you guys have seen him grow as a musician, growing his command on the stage here, becoming more of a worship leader. You know, he, he wears a lot of hats, but the youth is the primary hat that we're looking to have him wear. Thank you. Uh, before I get into youth, I just wanted to uh, kind of just say thank you. I mean, I think it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a definitely a, a unique situation. I know we talk about it all the time. Um, I've been an intern for four years. Um, since really the the first year that remedy was a thing, and uh, so this this year feels like um, like nothing has changed, and I think a lot of that is credit to you guys because you guys have made me feel um, like an equal in a lot of respects and have respected my opinions, my input, um, and have been there to say no and to give me wisdom, and uh, I've gained such close friendships with you guys mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's really unique to be able to, you know, 
be best friends with your youth, pa your youth pastor. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's such an age gap, but that age gap doesn't exist. <laughs> which, is, which is unique. It is unique. Um, Roy G. Bibbed. Old crusty guys over here. Um, no, but it's, it's unique, and it takes a lot of effort on their part to make that relationship work. And so they've, they've opened up their lives to me, which is a credit to the leaders that you have. Um, and you should be proud of them for that. So um, about the youth, um, just want to share some quick numbers. Um, since about three and a half, four months, we've had no less than about 16 kids out every Monday night, um, which is like I said, uh, unique, it's an anomaly. Right now we have four youth leaders, um, three female youth leaders and, and myself, um, which is also an anomaly. Um, we have such, such good youth leaders, uh, a lot of help, a lot of people that are passionate and skilled. Um, but the amount of kids that we've had out consistently, consistently has been um, just really encouraging. I think we had one night where we had 26. Um, which, like I said, uh, before we were meeting at the old Remedy office, we were like four kids, uh, and that was like five or six months ago. Um, so it's just going at a pace that is uh, kind of crazy, but um, it's, it's awesome to see unfold. Um, but I just wanted to share a little bit about my, um, my heart for the youth. Um, I know we have a combined youth right now, and uh, we're spanning, I think, ages from fifth grade to about um, 11th grade. Um, so as we grow, our, our plan is obviously we want to see that begin to be more defined and, and split. Um, but my heart, honestly, for your kids and for our youth is to, to create an environment where they're able to call something theirs and where they're able to see that there is a connection to the church, that this isn't just Monday night youth group. It's not just a, a sermon and a discussion and a game tailored to them. This is their church, and they own this place. Um, and they're not some, like, future that they're going to grow into someday when they, you, you know, they, they mature. Like, they have a lot to give now. And you see that with the children's ministry, how they give back through that and uh, just help out in so many ways. Your kids um, are capable of teaching those older than them by their faith by their childlike faith and uh, by their devotion to Jesus. So, um, I mean, that's ultimately what my heart is. And um, I want to challenge your kids. Um, my, my experience growing up is very different than your kids. Your kids grow up as soon as they get a smartphone. Um, and it's, it's scary, the, the opinions and the decisions and the things that they have to process at a third, fourth, fifth grade level that I just, I started processing in high school. Um, and so I want to challenge your kids, and I, I preach to them like they're adults. I preach to them like they're at a higher level because they scroll on Instagram, and the, the BuzzFeed article is, is teaching them things that um, I need to address, you know? Um, so I want to challenge your kids. I want to be there for your kids. Our youth leaders want to be involved with your kids, and we want to see this place flourish with kids that are on fire for Jesus because... They're never going to be in a situation in their life where they walk into a school with 4,000 kids. They have such an opportunity to make a difference, and it's, it's my job and the job of our youth leaders to be able to instill them with that courage and show them that Jesus is the only way that they get that courage. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah. And.
I hope you're able to see a lot of emphasis put on the young people. Um, you know, the meeting's probably only going to go on for another 25 minutes or so, but we wanted young people to really be a priority of the meeting because they are a priority in our church. Baptisms are another important metric. Um, this past year we had, um, since Redeemer has come into being, we've had 12 baptisms. Um, and that is exciting, but you know what? The first year of a church, it is by necessity somewhat insular. You're building systems, you're building um, just how we're going to do ministry going forward. This next year is we really just kind of open with a focus on outward evangelism and mission. I pray that, not that 12 baptisms are anything to sneeze at, but man, we just want to see dozens of baptisms in this place. Amen? You guys in agreement? on that. So um, our mission statement, um, that's why we're spending, uh, this was intentional. We didn't just kind of figure out we were having a meeting here. So, um, and oh wow, that went well with preaching on mission and vision. Um, that's why we've been doing a series on mission. So our mission, can I hear you guys recite it with us as it's put up behind us? And I don't even want to take those pictures off because they're lovely. All right. Our mission is to love God make disciples of Jesus, and to plant gospel-centered churches. So hopefully that's what you've been hearing these last three weeks as we've been on this series, and we continue to desire to see the church grow more and more on mission and live that out. Finances. Um, the main idea of our finances that we want to share is during the first year of a merger, it's really hard. I know that meetings like this, you typically get a budget spreadsheet, and there's a value to that. We want to have that for you. But a lot of the first year is kind of tracking what does it look like to have a church. Um, I can tell you this. Uh, we brought two churches together, one that had a building and had some people that were very generous that were keeping it going but were having some struggles financially. One that had no building um, was making budget but weren't overshooting it by any stretch. And somehow in God's economics, that's come together with us meeting budget even exceeding budget at certain times, um, meeting a lot of benevolence needs in the body, but there's a lot more that we can be doing, and we encourage you guys to participate with generosity in your worship and giving. Daniel has a little bit to share about that. We are uh, not even a year old yet, you know, so um, we're still right now, this coming week, going to be sitting down and trying to establish the first ever, you know, real kind of budget and projection of what took place last year, because then we have some history behind us. And so um, two churches coming together, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of work. We want to make sure that legally we're doing everything, you know, correct. And so it's been a process. But um, we were able to track down all the giving. Um, and this does not include, you know, we see the sound panels beside us. Like a lot of people gave a lot of money towards those. And so um, this is excluding some of those side offerings. This is just a Sunday morning giving um, and the benevolence giving and things like that. And so uh, from March 27th until December 31st, the total was 252692 was donated to Redeemer, weekly average of about $6,317. And like I said, that's missing about another sixteen or 17000 uh, raised through special site offerings um, for, for various needs. And so that number is actually a little bit higher, but that's the weekly average. And so we pray that would, you know, minimum stay the same and also, you know, rise as our church uh, rises in growth. So here you go. Thank you, brother. Um, two other things in this section before we uh, just continue to move right along. Another area where we have seen growth is 
Look around, seriously. When I say look around, nobody ever looks around. So would you actually look around, like turn your head one way and then the other way? Humor me, even if you have your eyes closed. Um, <laughs> one of the things that God is doing is just changing our worship atmosphere. And that is driven by a theological belief that we worship a transcendent yet imminent God. Uh, over the last century, there's been a pushback against the theology of transcendence, which Christendom pushed for about 1,900 years, and imminence was pushed, which says, you know, the facility is not important, God is here with us, let's just focus on the fact that God is present. But you can't read the Bible without seeing a God that's both transcendent and imminent. And we want things that are both going to lift our eyes in worship as we walk in here, just making us realize we are in a place where we're being called to worship. It's not a holy place. It is not a sanctuary, yet it is important that we're gathered here and our hearts come in with a posture of worship, but we also want to realize that God is, in fact, very imminent. So a lot of the things that we've been doing are driven by that theological presupposition. It's also just been driven by the generosity of the people here, and Daniel is just going to... Uh, we've got a couple pictures of some things that we've been doing here, and he's going to share with us just a couple of the things that have been done over this last year in our facility. Yeah, so uh, the stage we're standing on did not exist last year. Uh, we had some generous um, people donate money to build this stage, and some men in the church donate their time to build it. Uh, sound panels did not exist uh, uh, before you know, we came together, and this room was, man, it was like, uh, I don't know, a, a, the sound was like a slinky. It was just like, beep, 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 and you sound like you were, you know, it was crazy. But now, you know, I think it's a little better now. Uh, sound system has been... Did you just say it sounds like a slinky? I don't know what to say. <laughs> I couldn't think of a slinky's like... Kind of go back and forth. Right? Don't get stuck in a metaphor that you don't know how to get out of, man. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I'm just moving on. The sound system. Sound system um, is upgraded. Don't touch me, man. Don't touch me. <laughs> sound system has been uh, upgraded. We're looking to make some more upgrades as we go on. The projector died like two weeks after we got here. And so uh, new projector. Screen behind us was painted on. Uh, we had another generous donor donate um, a, uh, a system to actually, for those of you who are hearing impaired, to have um, ears. Uh, some, uh, we've had people come up and say, this has literally changed everything about becoming the church. And so another generous donator behind that that we're immensely thankful for. Just decorations around the sanctuary, around the building. We have some lighting changes coming up. These lamps are going to be replaced by sconces in the next couple of weeks. And... Um, what else? Uh, nursing mother's room is there. We have a new TV in the hallway we're getting to be, or the four-year we're getting to be uh, sharpened up, the children's classroom check-in system. Um, and as you saw, we're having decoration, the children's wing coming up, some painting hopefully on the walls, like I said, new lighting in here, and looking to have a more centralized area for fellowship in our four-year with some benches and tables for food and some more information centered and things like that for visitors coming in. So we're not done by any means, but um, we just want to make this place very hospitable and a place where the mission can be uh, carried out here. So there you go. Um, I don't want to be mentioning names because it becomes very easy to let leave people out, but this guy's not here with us, and a lot of the changes we just named have one common name attached to them, and I'd like to um, give homage to the ghost of Bob Jenkins, um, man, I miss Bob. That guy, 
I'm usually very okay with rolling with the punches, but I am not okay with the fact that they had to move. So I feel like it's just important to bring them up and say that a lot of this wouldn't, that was his hard work and donations that made it possible. So if you guys are still in touch with him, um, since he can't be here to enjoy the fruit of this meeting, maybe just shoot him a thank you on Facebook or whatever for the investment he's made in our church. Um, good family right there. Another way that God is working is through the establishment of foundational pieces such as network affiliations, constitutional framework, defining documents. You guys have been so good at staying engaged so far. This is the boring stuff coming up. We're going to try to keep it to like five minutes, but man, without this boring stuff, we're a bunch of felons up here. So it's really important um, because we may have one felon on this panel. We don't want to have multiple. Um, <laughs> so Daniel, we don't want to join you in being a felon. <laughs> You're not the one should be speaking, brother. I'm, I'm just kidding. He's not the felon on the panel. Tim is. Um, oh, ran it in. Um, the defining document stuff is really critical. So though this is not the fun stuff to talk about, when we've told you guys that there's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes in the last year, this stuff is really the 30 hours of a week stuff for each of us that nobody sees. So Daniel is really the, uh, the eyes, the ears, and the legs, uh, legwork behind this stuff. He's gonna share with you a couple of our critical documents and how those are made to serve you. If, if you're really excited to hear this, if you're like, policies, constitutions, come talk to me. I have work for you. There's like three of us in existence to like this stuff. So constitution is essentially the legal framework for our church that is required to have by being a 501c3 in the state of New Jersey, but it also is a very helpful document for you guys to actually read and understand um, what we believe, how our elder board functions and operates. Uh, many other things are covered. I printed off some in the back there. Um, I'm sure there's plenty still left for you to grab if you want to read through that. We also made a more abridgment version of that that gets our doctrinal statements, some info about the pastors, and some you know critical things that are uh, more, you know, if a visitor wanted to know, well, what, what do you guys believe or what are you guys about? That little abridgment version uh, speaks that. And so I have some ones printed off back there for you to grab. If you have any questions about those things, please speak with us. A lot of work went into that. But, um, yeah. Uh, we have some other uh, policies I want to walk through with you guys. Um, again, uh, there's one on here that... Uh, uh, it may sound pretentious, but uh, as our church is growing, um, there's a lot of opportunities for serving, for missions. A lot of you guys are like, man, I really want to have a Bible study here, and really good things happen. Um, the problem is if we start communicating all this stuff all the time, you wouldn't remember a single thing. And so we've had to actually think through how we communicate as a church. And so um, we created this announcement policy. Um, the only thing I want to mention about that is the biggest thing to know what's going on in our church is a weekly newsletter in your email box. Um, please sign up for that. If you haven't yet already, I can make sure that you are getting it. That will contain everything that's going on in our church on a week-to-week -week basis. Debbie, our administrative assistant, does a fantastic job in keeping up to date and fresh and getting it out there in a timely manner. So sign up for that. If you want to know anything about what's going on, have any questions, call the church office. Debbie can answer any you may have. If you're not tech-driven, we actually, uh, Debbie prints Print them off, off and puts printed copies on the back table. So if you're not uh, somebody that uses email or whatever, um, just grab one there because that'll help you be informed. And as many of you may have been told no recently in coming to say, hey, can we announce this on Sunday morning? You may start hearing us say, actually, no, we can't. It's not because we hate you, okay? 
Don't turn around and be like, oh my gosh, the guy hates me. No, we don't. So our, our, our goal here is we want our worship services to be a sacred and worshipful environment. Um, a multitude of verbal announcements can get lost and actually detract from the worship here. And so we've, like I said, created the avenues to communicate. Uh, we will communicate special things that are happening on Sunday morning, but you may be hearing the words no come out more out of our mouth. If you have a ministry that you're a part of, you want to announce, it's not because we don't like you. It's because that we're trying to be as efficient as possible and also keep our services as worshipful as possible. Um, and... Uh, Community groups, we'll be having our, our, a lot of the announcements you won't hear on Sunday announced via community group, so please join a community group to hear that. And um, so, again, you can grab this in the back. It's just actually written out how we communicate things across the church and a little on the table back over there. Scott Stangley, would you stand? Um, as he's tying his shoe, there he is. This is Scott Stangley. No, that's Greg Bermida. Greg Bermida. <laughs> this is, um, that was our, this is our head deacon. And so... Um, we have a lot of um, benevolent needs in our church, and uh, we, we've assigned him as the head deacon to oversee our benevolent uh, fund in order to disperse those funds accordingly. Uh, we've created for, for you to understand how that works, because there may be, you may be in need, you may have a friend that's in need or know somebody in the church that could be uh, of help from that, um, that fund. We pass this out to our ministry leaders to understand if they were approached, you know, how do we navigate the waters of... Who, you know, who, who can get help, who does not get help, how does that process look? Uh, please grab it to learn how we do that. We want to be as transparent as possible in that. Um, and Scott Stangley is the guy overseeing that, not myself. And so any questions, please go grab Scott about that. Um, and last but not least, uh, the building. Man, there was like a week last month in December where it was like every night of the week people were doing things for parties and family events and things like that. And we want the building to be your building as much as we possibly can. If you want to use this place, please use it. And, but what we have now, since we're growing, is a building usage form just to be able to sign out to say, can I borrow this, can I use this room on Tuesday night at X amount of time? Um, it'll be outside of Debbie's office. Fill it out, pass it to Debbie. She'll get in touch with you. We'll make sure the room's open for you. And so all these things are just some of the foundational documents of you know, matching our growth as a church that we wanted to create. And like I said, if you get really excited hearing all that stuff, please come talk to me. Thank you, brother. All right, we're on the home stretch. We've got about another 10 minutes left, so please just uh, stay engaged with us for 10 more minutes. I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about our networks, and um, me and Pastor Tim are going to share a little bit with you guys about that. Um, so this is an area where um, I want to explain to you a little bit about our decision-making. When we came in as a church, there were various networks that were represented here, we tried to lay all of that down for that first six-month period and just say, what's going to serve us the best going forward? Um, and just kind of have no presuppositions, just asking a lot of questions and trying to engage it with humility. Uh, those of you who were a part of Sovereign Grace, we are not a part of Sovereign Grace any longer. It's not a decision that we took lightly. There's a lot of good reasons behind it. Um, I think that we spoke with most of you guys in person about it, just so I don't think any of you should be hearing anything new here this morning. Um, we've got a ton of respect for Sovereign Grace. Uh, they are the first people that ever taught me about church planting. So since about 2003, I was going down to the Sovereign Grace Bible College and was just really ministered to by those guys. Um, so it's not a question of... Um, 
our heart for them or anything like that. We just believe that certain things leverage us to plant churches a little easier here on the shore. And also they have a few theological presuppositions that I just don't think, um, even those of you that appreciate sovereign grace, I don't think you'd hold to if we really parsed them out. And that's one of the things that I, I love to talk about that stuff. If anybody wants to, come and see me and we'll chat about it. But um, there, just to share with you guys about the relational connectivity and how importantly we viewed that, Tim um, had some really valuable relationships there, and I'd like him to speak to the care that we put into this and how we still esteem those relationships highly. I can tell you that we didn't burn any bridges when we withdrew from Sovereign Grace. Uh, those of us who were here previously, we love Sovereign Grace. Sovereign Grace does some things really, really well. And some of those things we'll still, still be free to participate in. They do conferences. They're doing a worship leaders conference out in the Philly area uh, in a couple of months. Still hoping that maybe Dan, one or two others uh, of our guys will be able to go to that. I think it's a one-day thing. They, they w welcome us with open arms. When we withdrew, like I said, we, didn't, uh, we went through a process. They wanted to, to talk to me in particular because I was like the last man standing who was an uh, ordained Sovereign Grace guy. And uh, they just want to make sure that nobody was strong-arming strong anyone uh, throughout this whole process. And we had a nice conversation on the phone. Um, they sent us out with their blessing. And uh, it's really nice to be able to say that they're our friends, and we love them. And there's some really, really wonderful people in that uh, network of churches. Thank you, brother. Um, our connections. We believe that a church should be affiliated. We don't want to be independent. We want to be, um, the things that we're looking for are discipleship, accountability, and theological clarity. Those are the things that we go to a network for. So we should have a place that's going to help us grow in our roles. We should have a place that is going to hold us accountable to not go off the rails, either doctrinally or in areas of character. And we should have a place that speaks to, we've come together out of theological precision. We, we share these same theological beliefs. Crossway is a very small network. That's where I cut my teeth as a pastor. I'm on the board of Crossway International. Um, they're a small reformed church planning network. They have been so generous to us. Some of our greatest family relationships have come through there. They support us financially. They've made it available that if we ever need any financial help to come back to them. When I started planting Remedy Church, they were supporting us about $4,000 a month for about three years. So, I mean, the generosity that they've, uh, and they've asked for nothing in return. It's not like a give this and then you owe us something for the rest of your life. They just want to see churches planted and regional networks of churches planted. So they don't ask anything for a buy-in financially. What they ask for is just put aside money, plant churches. And we're going to share a little bit about that in a moment. We're also a part of, and I'm very proud of this connection, we're a part of the Acts 29 Church Planting Network. Uh, I was the second Acts 29 pastor in New Jersey. And the reason that we uh, formed with them is there are now 22 Acts 29 churches within an hour and a half drive of here. So, uh, I mean, that, that's huge, folks. So when you talk about having real-life accountability and discipleship, being able to pick up the phone is nice, modern technology is nice, but next Thursday, um, all of us and Seski are going to be going and meeting with the Acts 29 churches in all of New Jersey. 
So just being able to do that quarterly and then having larger gatherings bi-yearly and then one big extravaganza yearly, that's seven touch points where we have regular regional pastors speaking into our life to help hold us accountable and make sure that we are the church that we're saying that we're going to be, not just existing on paper, but existing in real life. So they bring a lot of value. One thing that's a value that they are um, letting us participate in, um, the president of the network, Matt Chandler, if you're familiar with him, um, he's put together a marriage conference called The Mingling of the Souls. Really, really good stuff. We're going to be having that here. It's supposed to be a paid conference, but um, since we're broke and we asked nicely, they gave it to us for free, and we're going to be video projecting it up here for Valentine's Day. What better way to celebrate Valentine's Day in a biblical look at what marriage is? Yeah, I'm here for that. Um, all right, so um, coming down the home stretch, some things that God is doing with us in reference to our networks, missions, and passions. This one is um, bittersweet, more sweet than bitter. Um, I'm so excited about it, but he's also my best friend, and he's been my partner in crime for a long time. Um, Daniel, would you, would you share about what God is leading you in and doing? So, uh, yeah, I, I, we're thinking and planning through uh, planting out of Redeemer Fellowship. Um, I say we because another Redeemer Fellowship uh, right here in New Jersey on the Jersey Shore, thinking through kind of the more north, the Point Pleasant area or something like that. The, the, the big kind of overarching, overarching picture that we are, have in mind, the vision, the goal is an actual regional Jersey Shore church planting network where um, we actually have a church planting movement taking place on the Jersey Shore. There's there's actual zip codes within 30, 20 minutes of here that don't have a single evangelical church at all. Uh, we want to see all those zip codes filled up with, with gospel-preaching churches. And so, um, yeah, I want to be leading up a that. Right now, I'm, I'm in a, the assessment process, so that's 29, which is extremely rigorous. Uh, please uh, pray for me. There's everything from personality profiles to dozens and dozens of pages of theological writing to... Um, being interviewed phone-wise, references, and then I have to fly down to Virginia and spend like two days getting drilled by like eight pastors and preaching in front of them, and then Alex gets drilled too, my wife, and uh, so they really just kind of like want you to be like blade bare exposed before them so they may just really speak into your life, and so um, a little intense, but I'm thankful for it, and there's some other actual assessments through Crossway Chapel be going through, some other church planting assessments through um, outside entities that will be speaking into me, so Quite a lot of um, stuff ahead for me this year, um, but just please, please pray for that. And if, you know, church planting is ringing a bell in your ear, you're like, man, that's something to be a part of. We're going to be deeply tied with this church. We're going to be, we're asking questions of, you know, some friends of ours in Acts 29. How do you plant churches? It's not just this independent, you know, entity, but not just a satellite either, but somehow, you know, carrying what's happening here to a different location um, being able to take the place of, in that city and take shape of that city as need be, but have the same name, same mission, same values, and the same family ultimately, but just in a different location. How do you do that? And so um, we're seeking counsel on that and taking steps towards that. So um, be in tune as more information comes and more information about that, questions about that, come talk to me. Love to talk to you about it. And that's, that's a hard one on the, the soul. It's kind of like when your kid moves out of your basement, you know, uh, Sorry. 
He's my best friend. I can pick him. <laughs> Come on. Um, I'm, just, I'm just so proud uh, of this guy. I, I can't wait to send him, even though it's going to really hurt to send him. Um, so, you know, our model, he's not looking to just break free from you guys. He's going to stay on staff here when he begins work on the church plant. Um, that's by design because he loves you guys, and he's not ready to leave you guys either. Uh, so I'm excited that um, even if he's only going to be 20 minutes away, he's not going to be 20 minutes away just yet. So exciting, exciting things. Um, something that's really exciting that we're starting uh, as he begins to launch out the plant. This has been something I've dreamt about for over 10 years now, and it's coming to fruition. The Jersey Shore Church Planting Network. We want to be a magnet for church planters to come to the Jersey Shore to reach this area with the gospel. If you saw the paper Daniel put out on our website a few weeks back, this area is about 2.3% evangelical right now. If you look at World Vision, the uh, metric for an unreached people group is under 5% evangelical. I want you to wrap your minds around that. This area that Jonathan Edwards started the first Great Awakening in, where it was almost 100% evangelical, is now... 50% under the line of what World Vision calls an unreached people group. Think about it. Your home falls into areas like Turkey, Pakistan, Czech Republic, you know, some of the areas of the world that are the most ungospeled. We don't think like that often because we have such great tools at our disposal. We have the internet, we have great radio teaching, but it's not translating into salvations and membership in good gospel preaching churches. So, we need to see more churches here, folks. And just so you know our philosophy, so you don't end up feeling like Daniel's doing something weird or underhanded, we have an open fishing policy, man. Um, I can't stand the idea that churches are like, you took our people. Like, what is that? They're God's people. If you ever think they're yours, God will wrestle them from your hands, and he will win. So he's allowed to take anybody and everybody. So if one Sunday morning we're preaching to 12 of you, and there's 250 of you in Point Pleasant, Praise God. If that's where you're from and that's where you connect with, go. Be a part of it. There's no weird affiliation kind of stuff where we're going to be trying to draw you back in. Open fishing license, which means he's going to be tapping you guys on the shoulder, but it also works both ways. You could be tapping him on the shoulder and letting him know you want to go. Um, Just a little bit about what I'm doing now, and then we're going to close with each of us sharing um, the one thing that we're most excited about, and then we're all going to stand up and pray together. Um, My new role... um, I'm not leaving here. Somebody did not hear me well. A few people didn't last when I shared this on Sunday, and they said, so when is Eric leaving? I'm not leaving. So can you all hear that I'm not leaving? I've just been called into, um, I don't know why, but our church planning networks have seen something that they value. They like the fact that I like to pastor pastors. It's been something I felt called to do ever since I was way too young to think that I should be called to do that. Um, and now they've given me the, the position of director of pastoral care and um, director of church planning assessments for our network. It is an honor that I esteem very highly. It's also really heavy. Those of you that have been asking about my trip from Colorado and I'm saying that it stunk, it's not because I'm not grateful to you guys, but I get to sit with the pastors that have had adultery on their wives, that have been unfaithful, that have left their churches, that have embezzled money, and I get to be the guy that sorts through and helps make shipwre- the shipwreck of their churches um, I get to walk through life with them, and I, I'm so honored. I, there's nothing I'd rather be doing. I, I, I love that I'm, I'm called into that role, but it is a heavy role, and I would just ask that you guys would please pray for me about that. And please pray for us, because I would much rather be shepherding alongside of these guys not on that side 
of things, that we wouldn't suffer that shipwreck, that we wouldn't mar our testimony on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So please pray for us accordingly. Um, but it does bring up a really fun role with Daniel entering assessment and me being the director of assessments. So it just kind of gives us another touch point on each other. So I'm really grateful for that. So as we close, we had an area about um, ways that we're seeking for you to serve the body. But Pastor Lee hit on that earlier. The only thing we're going to hit on, and I want you to please, if you've zoned out, zone back in. That's why my voice is going up. Children's ministry. Man, we can't push it enough. We need people to serve in children's ministry. So in case his plea, he's a gentle man. I'm not. Serve! We need you to serve in children's ministry. You're burning out the people that are serving, and they're getting angry and bitter. If you see people that are just walking around like, every Sunday, they're probably in our children's ministry. I'm kidding. (laughs) Joking, joking. But they will be if we don't come alongside of them and lift up their arms. Please. Uh, Man, I, I don't understand. I've seen so many cartoons across Christendom that just say this is a speech that has to be made in every church. Come on. Did you hear Pastor Lee when he said any frequency that you could serve? That means if you could serve one week quarterly, that's better than not serving one week quarterly. If you could serve once a month, that's better than, uh, that's fantastic. But please, please tap Lee on the shoulder and say, the Holy Spirit just showed me that I am supposed to serve nine times a month in children's ministry. Um, I will start tapping people on the shoulder if you guys don't start tapping Lee on the shoulder and um, just go with the guy that's more gentle you don't you know that I'm obnoxious and you don't want me to be the one that's recruiting you and I don't really feel like recruiting you either so that is our spiel about that Um, I know that we had nicer ways of addressing that but I'm trying to be efficient with time get an amen for that thank you (laughs) all right so if we get a name every one of you that said amen means you're signing up because amen in Hebrew means I agree and if you just said I agree don't be a liar Um, All right, so with that, closing on, I just asked each of these guys to bring up one thing that they're most excited about, and then we're going to form a circle of friends and sing circle of friends, and we're going, we're not really going to sing, but we will form a circle of friends and pray. So, Lee, what are you most excited about? Okay, I have one and a half things, but... No! (laughs) uh, I'm excited about the fact that we've got a foundation built here over these last 10 months that is just ready to go. The engines are are ready, and... um, Simultaneously with that, we have a, a class right now uh, of five people looking to be baptized, and we're just, you know, we're not seeing like a burst of, of baptisms and then nothing. It's a continual process. That's exciting, and, and that's what that's it thrills my heart. So, in all honesty, what I'm most excited about is sharing a job with my wife of being. She didn't uh, like where you were being, going with that. Uh, grandparents. We just came back from a week with four of our grandchildren. But that relates to what I'm most excited about here, which is that we have a next generation to build into. We didn't have that a year ago. Thank you for being part of that. And thank you for uh, enabling us um, to close out our time on this earth with looking ahead to the next generation. Amen. Well, you. Um, Hello. So, um, 
I don't know. I, I, I had a hard time thinking of like one thing, you know, but uh, 2017 is if, if it, if it exceeds what happened last year, then wow. I mean, I, I can't even keep up with what God is doing here. I'm just, I'm literally excited to come to work. Like I was yesterday spending my day trying to figure out what's happening next week. And it's just so full of amazing things. I'm like, wow, like I can't wait to go into work next week and just put my head down and push through. Like it's fun. I love working here. I'm excited to see uh, what's going to happen this year in our midst. God has just done amazing things. So I don't know. I just a general excitement to see 2017 come and just to see uh, what he has in store. So I don't know. Uh, I would say that the thing that's most exciting for me is that I get to call this place my job. Um, and I get to work in this environment and put my focus and all my time on this. Um, I think that was the biggest thing I was wrestling with kind of uh, as I was interning, going to school and working a job. Um, it's tough when your mind is four different places, but you really want it to be in one place. And I get it to be in one place now um, with the youth that I love and with the church that I love. So I'm just excited for what God has for our youth ministry, for just what God has for our church. But I'm excited that I get to be here with you guys. So. And uh, for me, this was crystallized while I was out in Colorado. Um, they had a vision, these guys that sent me out. And this is why I, I stay connected to them. They had a vision saying, we want God to plant the church in every town on the front range of Colorado. And guess what? God did. And now their vision is, and this is what I want to see here, and I believe we're on that trajectory. They said Fort Collins needs hundreds of churches. If you look at a town, if the average church in America is 80 people, Tom's River is 120,000 people, how many churches do you need a bunch of 80 people churches to reach 120,000 people? So this idea that's existed about the territorialism in New Jersey is a joke. It's a joke. Hear that. There is no bigger joke than when people are like, you're going to plant in our town? You're going to take our people. Ah! God's going to move his people wherever he wants them to. And we want to see going up the shore from Seaside up to Long Branch, our goal is to have a church in every single zip code along the shore. But our goal is bigger than that. We want to start to look at Tom's River and say, even if this place is a thousand, it's only scratching the surface of the need of gospel witness here in Tom's River. It's only scratch it, brick just hit a hundred thousand. So it'd only be scratching the surface of what God needs to do in brick, even if you had a thousand person church. Lakewood just hit a hundred thousand. Our driving radius, if you just look at Monmouth and Ocean County, is 750,000 people from the towns that are represented by the people who drive to Redeemer Fellowship. How many churches do we need? So beginning to see the beginnings of our first Redeemer church plant come out of here and then praying that God is just going to keep planting churches and making disciples, as our mission statement says. So with that, I'm going to ask you guys to all form a circle. We're going to hold hands in a sign of bond of unity as one body. And Pastor Tim is going to close us in prayer. Um, hey, Vito, could you, like, even with your smartphone, just track every picture of, which excludes you from the circle, I know, but I'd like to get a picture of this, too. Thanks. We're all going to pray around you guys.
And the circle goes unbroken. By and by, Lord, by and by. Daddy sang bass. <laughs> I forgot you got that redneck blood in you. Uh. Look around. This is your family. Amen. This is your family. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these people. Thank you for their patience with us. Thank you for their desire to uh, absorb what has been said. And I pray that process would continue over the next several days. Thank you for their willingness to uh, give up part of their Sunday afternoon and do this. Thank you for what we believe will be their willingness to volunteer and to get involved in ways that uh, perhaps they're not just yet, but maybe they've been thinking about. Lord, by your spirit, would you just nudge, nudge some uh, over that line? And uh, would, you, would you just make this, this place uh, full of those who want to volunteer and help in children's ministry and youth ministry and in a hundred different ways? And would you do that? in such a way that we don't fall victim to what Eric was saying before, that our, our spirituality somehow gets derailed by our busyness. Lord, help us to be uh, servant-hearted and unbusy as we sit at the feet of Jesus and love him and hear from him. And would you do that for the sake of your church, capital C Church, and for your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your attentiveness, everybody.